Hello, Dater Nation, and welcome to this episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I'm your host, Dustin Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at IAKOWDustin. And I am joined today by Neil Schulman, who is the In All Kinds of Weather founder and lead editor on AllKindsOfWeather.com. You can, of course, follow him at All Kinds Weather. And I'm very pleased to say that we are also joined by contributor Casey Hampton. And of course, you can follow him on Twitter at ATL underscore Gator. So Neil, Casey, I'm so happy to see you guys. We did How's it. it going? We managed to work it out that we can all yes. be on the pod at the same time. Casey, Finally. how have you been, man? Man, my job has just been crazy wild. Like I just got another email tonight. This is just that. wild uh, at 8.45 at night. But uh, I'm loving it. Loving the new job. Very good, man. I'm going to go high and not accuse you of being the, uh, the pooper scooper like you did for me and just say congratulations on your job. I'm very happy for you. I'll save the roasting for when we meet again in person. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, man. And, you know, elephants need somebody to scoop their poop. So good for you, Neil. Okay. Good for you, Debbie Downer. I'm just going to get it 10 times worse the next time we're in a car together, but okay. Oh, I just I, – I, oh, and Dustin, uh, there was something posted on Twitter this weekend. I think it was from All Kinds Weather uh, that said, say goodbye to the shutout guys. And, uh, Dustin, can you remind me of the score this past weekend? 42 to nothing. Oh, so was that a shutout, Dustin? No. In fact, I've been enjoying that nothing burger since the day it happened. But, right, but well, you guys are begging for Debbie Downer to make it. Yeah, but somebody on this pod was like, oh, say goodbye to the shutout, guys. And then we ended up with a shutout. Neil, do you know who that was? I don't know. Might have been Dan Mullen, maybe? No, 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 no. I think it was a guy that lives in uh, New Jersey. Uh, I think his account is uh, All Kinds Weather. All I'm going to say is Florida got the shutout. I was wrong about that. However, if his defense doesn't act like they just gave up 40 points to Vanderbilt and don't go into Death Valley, considering that game to be a bad defensive performance, we're in for a very, very rude afternoon in Red Stick. Well, I just, I, I really just want to, you know, Neil says I was wrong. Oh, you got that. No, 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 you, you got it. You got it. You, you, you all heard it. I, and I said the world can hear it now. Florida ah, got the okay, shutout. Okay, we can move on now. Florida got the oh. shutout, but, and, and we'll talk about this on the pod, um, but Florida's defense cannot by any means think that that was an acceptable performance because the shutout comes with the caveat that, Joseph Bolivis misses not one, not two, but three chip shot field goals. And it took a sensational last nanosecond dislodging of the ball by Jason Marshall to prevent seven more points from going on the board for Vanderbilt. So, I mean, and, and Dustin and I went over this uh, on the Vandy postgame pod. That's not acceptable to get drug up and down the field by Vandy. Yeah. Well, hey, let me say this. You forgot to mute also- yourself there, Casey. <laughs> Why do I have to mute myself? I just love proving you wrong. Well, we, we we addressed that, but the Gators as a football team cannot act like that game was anything to be proud of on defense. So you also put your money where your mouth was, and you actually picked against Florida with the spread against Vanderbilt. And I told you 
that on a podcast, I would hold you, I would hold your feet to the fire for that. Now, in your defense, I also did not pick Florida to cover. So, yeah, I think both of our feet. All I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say is thank footsies, whatever, however you want to plural. Debbie Downer Schulman. Debbie (laughs) Downer Schulman. All I'm gonna say is thank you, Mac Brown, and your North Carolina Tar Heels for sucking because I went double or nothing on that on that UNC minus seventeen and a half spread against FSU. Which, to my credit, you guys want to you know harangue me for for missing on that Florida pick as well as Texas Oklahoma, which by the way was a, a the definition of a bad beat. Um, but and although those are fifty dollars each, I then went double or nothing on UNC FSU because I thought there's no chance in hell. FSU is going to co- or UNC is going to cover that. So I changed it from 50 to 100. Thank God uh, UNC is just garbage. And I wound up breaking even for the day on that. But uh, yeah, let's talk about who funds you, this. You're you're a lucky, money. You are a lucky man, Neil. That is what I call a lucky man. A lucky, luck. Well, speaking, oh, speaking of money, Neil, uh, who pays for all this? Yeah, so as usual, we're proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, a nonprofit organization that works to send the underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. We did so this year with a, with a great man named Ontario Jones, I mean, an Army veteran who's unfortunately going to lose his eyesight soon, but he got to see his Gators play for the first time ever before that eyesight goes out. So just just an amazing, amazing thing that Gator Nation helped make happen with all their generous donations. Uh, we're looking to do the same thing in 2022 at least once, potentially twice. So if you'd like to help us get a jump start on that, go to GatorGoodFoundation.com and click the donate button to help us do so. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization. I mean, really, there's nothing these guys can't do. Um, Marketing strategy or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, we give you all two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding every show. We'll give them to you again. One, it's a veteran-owned business, especially after what we did for Ontario Jones. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And two, it's run by a Florida Gator. So yes, they do great work, but more importantly, they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. Can't, probably shouldn't say that that's more important, but it's all important. So yeah, to learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. That is stingraybranding.com. Now we've talked about the people who fund this show. Let's talk about the team that the Gators are going to be facing on Saturday afternoon. Guys, I know this is a game that Florida thought they were going to win pretty easily a year ago. That didn't happen. Um, the circumstances kind of seem to be somewhat congruent this year, but there's an added factor to it. And that is that this LSU program and particularly Ed Orgeron are not looking very healthy these days. So I guess, I guess let's start there. We'll talk about Florida plenty momentarily, but let's start with, with LSU. This is a program that defines the word disarray. So what are you guys expecting to see from them on Saturday after what we saw them do against Kentucky, 
which, which, by the way, if you don't know, they got obliterated. So what are we Neil, expecting to Neil, see them do this week? Neil, uh, somebody just knocked on my door. Uh-oh. Oh, God. How y'all doing? It's Coach O. You know, my, uh, my seat I'm sitting on right now. Real hot. Real hot. My ass is real hot right now. Got a whole bunch of, whole bunch of players out. But, you know, they thought we was going to lose last year down on Swamp. But then that shoe flew. You know, that shoe flew. Not the Mushu flew, but the shoe flew. And we won. I think we're going to win this year. Go Tigers. Okay, so Coach O, let, let me just um, – first of all, Dustin is cackling hysterically in the background right now, which is why Casey does this. Uh, Dustin's just muted his microphone. He is laughing hysterically. Um, all right, Coach O, I got to ask you something. How in the world did you pull it off last year in the swamp with literally like half of your team, 60% of your active roster? And do you think you can possibly do it again? You know, the LSU Tigers, they, they don't shop at the Payless. You know, with the Florida Gators shop, we shop at the, the good shoe store. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Max Johnson, he's going to win the Heisman. And uh, we're going to beat Alabama. We're going to beat Florida. And uh, we're going to prove you wrong to be down to Schumann. I think we're going to win. Go Tigers. All right, but, like, Coach O, there, there's such an obvious problem with your program right here, and that is that – you don't have the personnel that you signed up for. I mean, guys like Kayshawn Boutte, out for the year. Derek Stingley, oh, wait, not going to play. Wait, 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 wait. John, it, John Emery, it, it, not going to play. How do you – Wait, his name's Boutte? I thought it was Booty. Well, go Tigers. I mean, this this is the question that Gator fans are wondering, though, Mr. Mister Orgeron. You guys don't have Kayshawn Boutte. You don't have Derek Stingley. You don't have John Emery. You, you, you don't have a handful of guys. You don't, have, you don't have Andre Anthony. You don't have a handful of guys that have – been producing for you guys in the past. I mean, not, not forget like Eric Gilbert, that, that name is so, so far in the rear view mirror now that we're just looking at a team. That's a shell of the team. We thought you were going to have when the guy signed, how does this keep happening? And how do you expect to win games without the guys? Well, I'm still two and one against Dan Mullen. Well, really I'm two and one against oh, Todd that, is a, that is a nasty stat. And I'm, right I'm two and one against Todd Grantham. If we being honest, so you know, I I think if we can do it in the fog last year, I'm going to get the fog machines out. I'm going to put them right down in Tiger Stadium, and there's going to be a noon fog hanging over Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. It's going 11 to be 11 a.m. fog technically Central Time. Well, but yeah. You, All right, so Coach O, I, I have I have one last question for you, and we'll we'll bring you back when it's time to make predictions and do the verdict. But until then, I, I have one more question for you. What's wrong with your voice? You have so much Tony Shashris. You have enough hurricanes there down above the street. Just growing up in the bayou. You know, you eat enough mud, get on airboat enough, get enough scrimps and uh, enough seasoning. And your voice just comes out like a 84-year-old smoker from Boca Raton meets a New Orleans resident. Oh, my God. <clears throat> well, okay, Coach O, we, we thank you for joining us, and we're definitely going to miss you after you inevitably get fired after this season. Oh, you uh, you, 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 you can't cancel, Coach O. No, no, no. Go Tigers. 
All right. Well, it, it, we'll assume that this is not the end, but just in case it is, Coach O, thank you for your time. We'll definitely uh, we'll definitely miss talking to you on the pod. Um, well, I, I'm gonna stay around for the predictions. Well, yeah, we'll we'll bring you back for the predictions. We'll bring you back for the predictions. All right, oh, there's, Coach there's o. Dustin. Dustin, how you doing, brother? Look at, look at Dustin go. He's laughing just as hysterically as when Casey first did the impression. Uh, how you doing down there, brother? I'm doing great. It's great to meet you, Coach O. You know. Go Tigers. Go I don't understand how Casey does that voice and doesn't have to like chug five bottles of water after that. All right, guys, we got we got real business to talk about. Coach O is I'm I'm trying to hold it together because that is a really good impression. I'm trying to hold it together, trying to hold it together, trying to talk football. Um, the question I was trying to, to to ask Coach O is a very serious one. If you're an LSU fan, just start you know get out the piece of paper and just start making tally marks. No Kayshawn Boutte, no Ali Gay, no Joseph Evans, no Major Burns, no Todd Harris, no Derek Stingley, no Andre Anthony, no Eli Ricks, no John Emery. I mean, this is literally maybe 60% of the active roster that they started the season with that that they're going to have against Florida. And one of them, by the way, when they went up against Florida last year with that another shell of a roster situation – Kayshawn Boutte was one of the backups on that team that stepped up for them and burned Florida. He's gone now. So, But if it, LSU did it last year, LSU can do it again this year. And they I certainly have, can, and that's, you the, think that's about, the word. You, you think about the last 10 years in this rivalry. So in the last 10 years, we've seen everything in this rivalry. And when I say everything, I mean everything. In 2011, there was a blowout in Baton Rouge where uh, Brad Wing taunted the Gators on a fake – Punt in for a touchdown. We've seen a defensive slugfest in the swamp in 2012 and really in 2013. Um, neither one of them were pretty games um, where the Gators won, the Gators lost. We've seen 2014 where Tevin Westbrook dropped a picture perfect pass that would have won the game. And then Jeff Driscoll threw into triple coverage and LSU won on a field goal. Uh, 2015, where again, a fake field goal. 2016, the goal line stand in Tiger Land. 2017, where we decided to get cute and make LSU our homecoming game, and we lost with arguably one of the best kickers in Florida history. 2018, Dan Mullen, I would argue that was his statement of a rival game as, as Florida coach. Uh, 2019, that was an incredible game, even though Florida lost. Um, in Baton Rouge, that was arguably probably the best game that LSU had that year. And then the last year when the shoe flew, uh, we have seen everything in this game, uh, in this rivalry. So, you know, all these Gator fans that are out here, oh, we're going to win. You know, I saw predictions of 44 to 13. I'm like, you all just didn't watch it last year. And you all clearly don't pay attention to this rivalry. I respect LSU because they respect us as an opponent. Every time we were on the field with them, doesn't matter how beaten up they are. And really, look at 2016, we were pretty beaten up that year um, with Austin Appleby and all the injuries that, that we had that year. Um, and still, we pulled it out in Tiger Stadium. I would almost equate that game with a reversal of fortunes with this game, that everything on paper says we should win, just like everything in 2016 said they should win, but... They didn't. And I 
I learned long ago to quit counting my chickens before they hatch with LSU. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Some people don't, though, because I'm seeing the same prediction you're seeing. I'm seeing like 49-3, you know, 28 nothing. Yeah, offense isn't great, but they won't score. Um, I mean, and, and there's some validity to that. Their offense has problems, but some some people don't learn. Um, and and that's the thing. It's not just last year. This this rivalry. I mean, we can tick off the scores. Last year, obviously, three point game. Two thousand nineteen, the anomaly game where it's a two touchdown spread for LSU. That's you know that's the rogue result. Two thousand eighteen, one possession game. The pick six, twenty seven nineteen. Two thousand seventeen, literally one score game came down to a missed extra point, like Casey said. Two thousand sixteen, it comes down to the goal line stand from Tigerland. 2015, it's a fake field goal that makes a difference. Seven-point game. 2014, it's a field goal from Colby Delahousse that wins the game for them at the last second. 2013, another anomaly game where it's not one possession, uh, but still it's a 14-6 game late in the game. You just go back really through the the beginning of the urban years, um, and, and even the last couple of Zook years, they were, the games were close. It's always I mean, honestly, a close I, I would put I would put 2008. And 2011 as the anomalies. They the are, category. right. No, they are. Because the teams traded 30-point beatings of each other, 51-21 for Florida in 2008. 2011 was 41-11. But those games are the clear anomalies. And now a two-touchdown or double-digit win is an anomaly. Look at all those other games. I mean, 2020, 2018, 2017, 16, 15, 14, 12, and then you go back a few years, and even like 2007, the ones we game. So that that's the point. This oh, game, don't remind me. Don't remind me of that one. Oh god, that's that's preferable for your brain oh. to 2020. No, oh. the, the point is this game is always close. It's always always a close game, and anyone who looks at these two teams and says anything otherwise is is definitely going off of the data that shows all these LSU guys out. So I, I at least understand that, but there's so much history between these two teams playing close games when Las Vegas says that they should not, that I just refuse to believe it. And LSU has problems. We'll talk about that in a second. They've got plenty of problems that I think Florida should exploit, but suffice to say for now, uh, if you think that, that this is going to be a blowout, you, you could be right but it would fly in the face of so much data in this series that says otherwise. So I would also say that LSU's backups are still talented. Yeah. Like it's not like the talent isn't there and it's not like the drive to beat Florida isn't there. Let me just say this. It was certainly a pleasant surprise to see Jason Marshall play so great against Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt was awful. So I'm not speaking to the competition that he played. Most corners are going to perform pretty good against a team like Vanderbilt, um, especially since they're not, they're not good at catching the ball. I mean, we saw several drops from Vanderbilt receivers last week. What excites me about Marshall is his technique is elite, in my opinion. The, his his body control, his footwork, um, his approach, uh, um, his his uh, his eye his eye in, in um, his hand eye direction, hand eye coordination, 
Uh, when the ball's in the air, how he plays the ball versus playing to the receiver, he, he does such a great job. And the reason why I'm bringing him up is LSU, they're, they're missing Boutte, but LSU is still going to be a, a formidable team through the air. Max Johnson is a phenomenal quarterback. In my opinion, he's either the number one or the number two quarterback in the SEC right now. And yes, I consider him to be better than Matt Corral at, at um, wow, Ole Miss. that's a tough sell. Yeah. That's a tough what? sell. That's a real yeah. tough sell, Dustin. I, um, I, watched, I, I watched that Kentucky LSU game today. I rewatched it. Yeah, through the air, it kind of worries me. I don't know if we're going to have Kyrie Elam this week. We should. We will. We should. Uh, if we do, I feel a little better about it. Yeah. There. What really surprises me is where did LSU's ground game go? Well, like, they don't have one. They're That's RBU the- of the West. I would say Georgia's RBU of the East. LSU has always been RBU of the West. Okay. Now Florida with Emmett Smith, Neil Anderson, and Fred Taylor has to be considered an RBU. Uh, I mean, you've got Chubb, you've got that, – that's another debate for another pot. But yeah. I would say Georgia's RBU in the East, and I would say LSU, I mean, Clyde edwards Elair, Fournette. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They They've always had a really true. good running back. Where, well, where did that running game go? Well, they don't, they don't have one because I think that they, they came into the year thinking that they were just going to be a pass-first team, and when the running games failed – to do anything. They just said, okay, yeah, we're a pass first team. That's the end of that. And then Butte is done. And they, they still do have talent there. They've still got Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, they got Jack Beck. Um, Malik Neighbors is a pretty promising freshman. So he, he had an incredible catch. Malik yeah. Neighbors had an incredible airborne catch they're, against Kentucky. And th- th- this is what we we're saying earlier. Because just because LSU is, is down to 60% of its starting lineup, that doesn't mean they're not going to have playmakers in the passing game. And I they think were down at this point, 60% of their guys last year. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think at this point, LSU is saying, you know what? Screw the ground game. We, we don't have it. We're not going to find it at this point in the year. And we have too many top opponents coming up. They still have to play Alabama. I mean, Auburn just beat them. Um, and that was considered one of their easier opponents to play. But, I mean, they still have to play Mississippi, who's ranked. They still have to play Arkansas, who's ranked. They don't have time to F around and try to figure it out. They got And Alabama. I said Alabama. But I'm saying they don't have time to mess around and, and try to find it. They, ha- they got to go. They got to go with what they have and just try to win games and in the offseason figure it out. And they do have a decent pass game that they can lean on at least somewhat to just make do the rest of the way. So yeah. that means be careful, Todd Grantham. Hint, hint, you know what they're going to do now. Not that yeah. he didn't before that, but sometimes sometimes I wonder with that guy. Let's just yeah. – I just really no. – I, I, you know, honestly, I watched Emory Jones' press conference this week or his availability, and he was open about it. He said, we took that for granted. We thought we were going to win just by showing up, and we didn't. So I'm really hoping that attitude helps us. I think it certainly helps it having it 11 a.m. or noon Eastern. Um, so it's not going to be a night game. Uh, they're coming off a bad loss. I don't know. Were they coming off a loss last year to us too? Yeah, they were coming off of several losses last year. I don't know. It, was the game right before us a loss yeah. though? 
coming off a terrible loss. By the way, the loss they had last year before Florida was even worse than this year's. They lost to Alabama 55-17 at home. All the ingredients are there. You better hope. I put a Twitter status out this week that I know a lot of people disagreed with, but if Dan Mullen loses this. That's not I have to talk about it. I I can tolerate. I I hope we don't, and I'm going to be rooting for it. I can tolerate losing to Georgia because this is probably one of the best defenses I've ever seen in college football that Georgia has right now. I can stomach that. I cannot stomach another loss to a bad LSU team. Yeah, I I don't really see a scenario where Dan Mullen is in trouble at any point this year, but if he loses to LSU, this LSU team, 2022 becomes a huge year for his future at Florida, but we'll, we'll save that for another point in time. Um, but yeah, so Emory Jones, you mentioned Florida's quarterback. Let's, uh, let's segue into that and, and let's talk about him uh, because he's a guy that, as you know, we know at the start of the year, he wasn't looking very good against Florida Atlantic and South Florida. He had plenty of, uh, shall we say, less than elite moments. He probably should have been charged with three picks against FAU and USF both. Um, but, I mean, he's looked a lot better recently. Alabama, he played well. Tennessee, he played well. Uh, Kentucky, not so much. But Vanderbilt, he did fine. Again, not great, but he, he did fine. So here, here comes a test for redemption, though, for him. Here comes a test for him to go on the road and, 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 and sort of conquer uh, a hostile environment. So, Dustin, you're the guy that, that played quarterback for your high school team, so you have the most experience at that position of any of us. So what are you looking for specifically from him um, that you did not see in Kentucky? So the most important aspect of playing quarterback is eliminating turnovers. Not only are you there to not turn over the ball in, in your own effect, like it's not good for a quarterback to throw interceptions. It's not good for a quarterback to fumble the ball. Now, now, now let, me, let me go ahead and, and, and lay this out for you. So going back to 2019, as much as we all, we all love Kyle Trask, one, one thing about, his, about the beginning of his, of his 2019 campaign after Felipe Franks had the unfortunate injury was – Kyle Trask would would fumble the ball. Um, we had that game versus Auburn, where where Trask fumbled uh, at least a few times in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Now it didn't cost us. We we still won that game, but we could have had a better turnout on offense if if we would not have fumbled the ball. Fast forward to 2021, you have Emory Jones, a quarterback who, uh, knock on wood, literally just did that. Um, he hasn't fumbled the ball. But he's thrown interceptions, and it's super critical that he does not throw interceptions. And he continues to do that. Now he's gotten better. His game's gotten better. He's, he's getting better at throwing the ball to the right person. Um, he's getting better at, at making reads and, and running the offense. Um, he had a career day in both yards and touchdowns, which was great. Did he play perfect against 
against Vanderbilt? No. Did he did he play did he play great? No. But did he play good enough to win? At least win against LSU? I think he I think he I think he showed me enough in, in Vanderbilt at, in the Vanderbilt game to show me that he has what it takes to beat LSU. Now the verdict is still out on whether I currently think that he has what it takes to beat Georgia. Um, if you if you help me uh, at gunpoint and, and uh, wanted me to give you an answer, that I would say no. But I do believe that Emory can show me something this coming Saturday that will give uh, more clarity to what that analysis looks like. But that game coming up in a little more than two weeks, it doesn't matter. All that matters is the game against LSU. Neil, let me just say this before before we move on to our next segment. I hate LSU. You you know, yeah, I, I hate Georgia. I do, but I hate LSU. I am sick and tired of losing to that team. The corn dogs need to go down. You got fired you up about, Dustin you, today. You wanna you wanna talk to me about quarterbacks? My favorite part about being the backup quarterback, and yes, I was the backup quarterback, but I got to stand up every game and give my team a speech. And this is the speech that I'm giving to the Gators for this game on Saturday night, or Saturday, Saturday morning, I should say. And that's this. Give it all on that field. Give it all for your mother. Give it all for your father. But most importantly, give it all for the guy next to you. Because you look to your left and you look to your right, and that's all you got for 60 minutes. Give it all you got for the people to your left and to your right. Because if you do your job and they do their job, I guarantee that you're going to come out on top. Go Gators. We got preacher Dustin Smith. The the Reverend Dustin Smith has uh, channeled his his football days again. Um, yeah, I mean, so the thing I'm looking for with Emory Jones isn't um, really anything different than what I was looking for against Kentucky. He just didn't do it against Kentucky. But you know, play within yourself. Look through your progressions. You know, see the fields. It's just because it's in Death Valley, and the people want you want to see you fail there, as opposed to want to see you succeed, like in the swamp. Just because it's in a different city doesn't mean that the football field is any different. You know, the defenses are going to be exactly what you know they're going to be from looking at the film. Do your job, man. Just do your job, and Florida is going to be fine. The problem is, last year we didn't do our jobs, and I'm not just talking about Marco here. Our quarterback Kyle Trask didn't do his job. He threw a pick six. He threw the ball to Eli Ricks, and Ricks took it all the way back for a touchdown. He had some nice throws in the game. He threw for a school record, 472 yards, but he didn't do his job because he turned the ball over like Dustin was just talking about. Emery can't do that. And to his credit, he has not recently, but he's got to not do it again. And honestly, I really think that this game is that simple. I mean, LSU does run a very complicated defense that relies on lots of different lots of different Florida players to have to know what they're doing and then do them correctly because if one guy screws up his assignment, then there's a bust and Jones is going down or he's making a mistake. So, like, Florida's going to be on, the, on his P's and Q's. But if Florida just picks up the stunts, 
running backs, pick up the blitzes. Emery, don't do anything you shouldn't do, anything you know you shouldn't do. Receivers, run your routes with crispness. I really think Florida's got this. And I know that that's what didn't happen last year, but if Florida just does what it's supposed to do, it's nothing crazy. Do your job and Florida's got this. Yeah, so that actually sounded kind of verdicty, even though we're not quite there yet. We've got one more, one more, one more big piece of business to talk about before we do that, and that's the other side of the ball. Um, they didn't do their jobs against Vanderbilt. They didn't really do their jobs in most games this year. Oddly enough, aside from against Kentucky, I thought they did they did fine in that game. But like we said earlier, LSU is not a team you screw with. They've got five stars everywhere you look. Even without Kayshawn Boutte, they've got guys like Malik Neighbors. Um, they've got guys like Brian Thomas Jr., Jack Beck, and, and and Max Johnson is a pretty good quarterback. I don't know that I say he's the best in the SEC or one of the best in the SEC, but he's he's a decent quarterback. So Florida's got to be ready for him. So with that said, I'm almost terrified to ask you guys this because of who our defensive coordinator is, but what are you guys expecting to see from the Gator defense on Saturday? Well, the one thing um, that I do want to make a point with, um, I know we just talked about it, but the Florida offensive line, um, I've been really impressed with on that side of the ball. Um especially with what John Hevesy has done um, and all these people that recruiting wizards, uh, armchair recruiting wizards that complain about John Hevesy in the off season seem to just magically disappear. Um, you know, when he does his job, like he's supposed to, but going to Neil's point, LSU has guys that can catch the ball. I, that, that catch from neighbors uh, was just incredible. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. LSU is a Kentucky. Team. Yes. Yeah. LSU is a team with nothing to lose right now. They have nothing to lose. I mean, if they lose, they lose their head coach and they start over. If they win, they the two worst LSU teams of the last two decades beat Florida back-to-back. Uh, that's not the type of team that you want to take lightly. That's not the type of team that your defense wants to play you know, prevent defense in when it should be press coverage. Uh, Max Johnson, don't don't get it squirrely. Matt Johnson or blah, blah, Max Johnson can run. The boy has legs, and he can scramble out of the pocket. He reminds me of a poor man's Bo Nix, which Bo Nix is pretty much a poor man's Bo Nix. But hmm. you know, he reminds me that he can he can make plays happen with his legs. Um, and, the D- and Florida historically under Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham has not done well with quarterbacks that can scramble out of the pocket and have time to do something. Uh, just Todd Grantham's defenses, for whatever reason, cannot do well with mobile quarterbacks. Um, and they didn't do well with him last year. So, you know, you better hope that Todd Grantham has his team ready for Max Johnson's legs. I'm more worried about his legs than his arm, especially if we if Kyrie Elam can play. I think Dustin made a really good point with Jason Marshall. Um, he's starting to come on. Uh, but I'll tell you guys, linebackers, our linebackers have to be ready for this game. Um, our, our linebackers absolutely 100% have to be ready for this game, whether it's uh, Max Johnson, whether it's uh, – whatever running back they're going to trot out there, 
Uh, you know, without Ventro Miller, um, that's a problem. Um, Diabate's having a good year. Um, that I don't think anybody can can take away from that. Um, you know, Hopper, um, Tyrone Hopper's had a good year. I'm I'm waiting for Derek Wingo uh, to come out and have himself a game. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen. It would be nice if it were this one, but the linebackers have got to be ready for those dink and dunk short, you know, passes in the flats um, and those, you know, three to six yard chunk plays. Our linebackers have to be ready for that. Um, and I really hope they are because that's where LSU has made their bread and butter this year because they don't have that true downfield threat. They don't necessarily have that, that workhorse stable running back that they've always had, but these dink and dunk three to six yard plays are what really worry me. What say you, Dustin? I know y'all are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but we got to stop the run. I don't care if they only average 80 yards per game and running the ball. We need to stop the run. We need to no, you're stifle. Not crazy. You're not crazy. You're not crazy at all. No. We need, to, we need to stifle the run game because I guarantee you, okay, I guarantee you that, that their game plan and their wrinkle for this game is going to be to try to run on Florida's defense because they suspect that Florida's defense is going to come out selling out to stop the pass. And I guarantee you that Florida is going to drop eight, keep three in the, keep three in the, um, in the rush lanes, three defensive linemen drop eight. And if that's the case, you know, we make the joke about uh, playing prevent defense on first and 10. Well, if that's a joke that continues through this game, I'm going to be very worried because while LSU's bread and butter is not running the ball, they still have athletes on that side of the ball. They still have – I mean, their offensive line is pretty bad, to, to put it lightly, but they still have SEC-level talent on the line of scrimmage. If we do not stop the run, we're going to be in big trouble in this game. And if I, I, we're looking, if we're looking at numbers here, Dustin, to go along with your point, because you're not crazy, you are absolutely not crazy. And any Gator fan that says you're crazy isn't paying attention and hasn't paid attention. LSU had 147 rushing yards on the ground. Byron Davis Price had 147 rushing yards by himself. Uh, and can we talk about not only that, Dustin? I would add, I need to correct myself earlier. LSU was 22 for 38 in the passing game. That's not a bad stat. It's an average stat, but it's not a bad stat. And here's the key. LSU had 408 total yards, but the biggest thing that sticks out to me looking at the stats from the LSU-Kentucky game, LSU was 7 for 15 on third down. What does that tell you guys? I thought it was worse. Well, I did too. And that means they were at least staying on the field. And the time of possession shows that. LSU had the ball for almost 28 minutes. Kentucky had it for 32. Um, on fourth down, they were two for five. So they went for it five times on fourth down. So we can safely assume they're probably going to go for it again on fourth down playing us. There are some stats that worry me about this. Uh, actually looking at looking at it the scoreboard didn't tell the full story right no 
It didn't, but also part of that scoreboard said that Kentucky was winning 35-7 in the fourth quarter when they stopped caring and stopped trying, and LSU racked up some garbage time yards there. Um, Tyron Davis' price does worry me a little bit. I, I, again, maintain I don't think LSU is going to waste too much time trying to manufacture a running game when they know that, that they've got to win games now. There, there's nothing to try to you know, work on for later in the year. They, they got to win. They got to go with what works, and they got to use it. Um, but having said that, you can't throw the ball on literally every snap. So when they do run the ball, Tyron Davis' price is a problem. And you said that they had 147 rushing yards against Kentucky. Well, Tyron Davis' price had 147 rushing yards against Kentucky. The rest of their team – netted a grand total of zero because Max Johnson yeah. got sacked a few times. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they can run the ball. Like it, that's the thing, just like with the receivers, if you don't respect them on the ground and if you don't respect them through the air, and if you don't respect their defense, you're going to lose your one-on-one battles and plays are not going to be successful. And you're going to see a game that's closer for far longer than it should be. Yeah, Neil. So think about this. Again, I know I know we're we're focusing on the LSU defense, but if you look at Kentucky, they they ran the ball for 330 yards on LSU. The reason why I say that is because if you're going to win this game, you need to establish the run on both sides. Now, LSU is not necessarily going to make running their bread and butter, but if they're if they, if, if they try to run the ball in first down and they get stifled or they run the ball in second down, they get stifled. That's a heck of a lot better than if they try to run the ball and they get two to three to four, five yards. I mean, I'm sure LSU would much rather be third and five than third and 10 or third and 11. If we're able to stifle the run, then we're going to put them into third and long instead of third and manageable. And, and that, in a game and Justin, like this, in a rivalry game, being putting them in third and long is going to be critical to this defense. And Dustin, that's what I was saying. I worry about them being in third and manageable and then getting the third down with these little dinks and dunks when it's sure. third and four or third and six and they can run on the outside because teams no, I, have I, run I, with success on the outside against us all year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's and, that, and that's where we're definitely in agreement. Like there are going to be more than zero plays over the course of the game that LSU is going to try to slam the ball up the middle. On those plays, however few of them there may be, Florida has to be ready to stop it because you cannot literally throw a pass on every single play of the game. That's just that's just not how football works. So Florida will have to be ready for the run game. Um will they be? I don't know. Are you guys ready to make some predictions, and we can, we and we can all. Didn't didn't Georgia Southern beat us without completing a single pass? They did, and then we beat Georgia the next year. Trayon Harris, what did he have? Three passes, three for six for twenty-seven yards, <laughs> which will never not be funny. Uh, Matt Jones and uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Taylor, Taylor are still, still running. running. They are still that, running somewhere in Jacksonville. That was that was my phone background for a while. Um, we beat them again. I might have to make another one. Um, all right, guys, verdict time. So for those of y'all who are newer listeners who don't remember how this works, uh, we're going to go and give our keys to the game, a player to watch for, and then we're going to make our score predictions. So um, 
Keys to the game first. We'll start with Dustin. I got three keys to the game. First off, the running game. Now, looking back at the at the stats from the Kentucky game, Kentucky ran for 330 yards on LSU. There's no reason why this Florida offense can't do the same. We need to establish the run. We need to run it down their throats. We need explosive plays in the run game. We need to bring in Anthony Richardson to run the ball and get explosive plays. I want to I see explosive plays all over the field, especially in the run game. Whichever team – I know we've already, we already had a whole segment on, on the defense versus an inept run game from LSU. But if LSU establishes the run in any regard, they're probably going to win the game. So key number one for me is running the ball real quick. I got two more keys, and I know you guys are probably going to echo this as well, but I have to get it in. Turnovers and penalties. Okay? Against LSU in 2020, turnovers and penalties cost Florida the game. Against Kentucky 2021, turnovers and penalties, especially the penalties, cost Florida the game. I think, and, and spoiler alert, I think Florida can win this. Keyword, can. They won't if they once again get snake-bitten by turnovers and penalties. So that's going to be absolutely critical. All right. Um, Casey? Mental acuity. These guys need to be mentally aware of what happened last year when they were clearly the better team. They need to be mentally aware of what happened last Saturday night in College Station that doesn't matter if you're number one, you can go down two, even if it's against an inferior team. And the attitude that this is a rivalry game, doesn't matter how bad they are, right? This is probably my favorite rivalry game as then conference rivalry game. I, I like this game better than Georgia, honestly. Um, just because these games are close, they're weird, they're fun. Um, but these guys need to be mentally prepared, mentally ready to snuff the life out of this team early and often. Um, so mental awareness. Uh, and I'm also going to add... I want to see more of those downfield passes that we saw from Emory against Vanderbilt that we didn't see against Kentucky. I want to see those 30 yard passes. I I need Cope to have a big game. Uh, I think uh, Xavier Henderson is in for a big game. I'd love to see some passes to Justin Shorter. I mean, we haven't heard his name called a lot this year. So I'd like to see some downfield passes 15, 20, 30 yards downfield because I want to test that LSU secondary. I'm not sold on that LSU secondary. Um, let's test it. Let's, let's let the ball fly, right? Um, because we know realistically our shot at Atlanta is gone. So in the same aspect that LSU doesn't have anything to lose and throwing everything against the wall, let's do the same damn thing. Like, right, I don't think we're going to beat Georgia. Spoiler alert for a future pod. Uh, I want to beat Georgia, get the, I want to beat LSU to get that bad taste out of my mouth from last year. 
I want to beat LSU and be the one that kicks Orgeron out the door. And I want to see this offense take the next step in this game, in Tiger Stadium. Neil, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the obvious one's going to be turnovers. I mean, Marco Wilson will forever go down as one of the one of the you know, stupidest plays I've I've ever seen on a football field. But in reality, Florida lost that game because Kyle Trask threw a pick six because Kyle Trask threw a ball that got tipped, batted around, and somehow caught with the LSU defender having two knees down in bounds. I don't know how that worked out that way, but it did. Hold on to the ball if you're running back, cradle it tight. If you're a quarterback, if you're Jones or if you're AR, feel the pressure, feel the pocket collapsing the way that AR did not do against Vanderbilt. Understand when it's about to, when things are about to go wrong and just limit the damage, take a sack, fall down. Punting is not the worst thing in the world, especially with the leg that Jeremy Crawshaw has proven to have. Um, and if you're a receiver, try not to tip the ball in the air so it gets picked off the way that, that happened last week. I know that's a lot easier said than done, but that can be something that just completely changes the way the game goes. So the turnover battle has got to be the one to to point at for that. No um, false starts. Yeah, I mean, the penalties too, but uh, I have a feeling that, that LSU with, with the, the youth they have on their team is going to be responsible for more of them than we are. Just, just a hunch. Um, yeah, so let's go on to the players to watch for. We'll go in inverse order this time. Um, player to watch for, for me is Zach Carter. He is the sec. Let's just say he's the sec's resident sack artist because he has been very quietly. Oh, oh, Neil, did you mean sack Carter? I did. I did mean sack Carter. You're right. Thanks for correcting me. He has been the sec's resident sack artist, and he has been very quietly chasing that record by Alex Brown for 13 sacks in a single season. Um, and he's, he's got some work to do, obviously, to get it, but he's got a realistic shot at it still halfway through the year and he needs six more sacks. So he could get it. Um, and more importantly, he could have a huge impact by wreaking havoc on LSU's offense, getting to Max Johnson, blowing up running plays when LSU tries to run the ball. If he gets into the backfield and stops that before it happens, LSU could be in for a very long day. So that's my player to watch for. How about you, Casey? Justin Shorter. I want to see the ball in that man's hands. Uh, he played at the he, – he's had a quiet year. Uh, last week he caught uh, a total – he had a total of 19 yards against Kentucky. He had one reception for nine yards against Vandy last week. Uh, he had 54 yards against Tennessee. He had 23 yards against South Florida. And he had 11 yards and one kickoff return in a season opener um, against FAU. Uh, I want to see the ball in that man's hands. I want to see Emery look at him because Justin Shorter has been wide open multiple times this year, both the games I've been at and games I've watched on TV. And Emery has just missed him. Uh, So I'm hoping Justin Shorter has a coming out party for 2021 in Death Valley. What about you, Dustin? Well. I'm going to go with number five. You might be asking which number five. I'm going to go with both of them. Kyer Elam, I, I expect him to be back. In fact, I have a hunch that he was held out against Vanderbilt to make sure that he didn't get hurt or re-injure um, his, his issue. Um, but, I, I mean, he needs to have a great game. I mean, 
it's not a secret. We've already talked about it nauseum so far this episode. But LSU predicates themselves on throwing the ball. We talked about Jason Marshall. I expect him to have a good game. But we need to see Kyer also have a great game in order for Florida to do, at least in the defensive side of the ball, what we expect them to do. As far as offense, it, it begins and ends with Embry Jones. Embry Jones needs to be efficient. He doesn't need to be the hero. If he, if he runs for an explosive touchdown, awesome. He doesn't need to be the hero. He just needs to be efficient. He needs to get the ball into the playmaker's hands. He needs to make decisions, good decisions. And this is the big one. And let me just say this, guys. This is the big one. I want to see Emory Jones not turn over the ball. If I'm not mistaken, this would be the first game this season where we hasn't turned over the ball. Tennessee. Tennessee, you got me, Neil. There was a fumble by Jacob Copeland, but that was well, it was long after he'd caught the ball. You're right. You're right, Neil. So, all, all previous games aside, I want to see Embry Jones not turn over the ball. If he does that, I think we have a good shot to win. Speaking of which, it's time for score predictions. Casey, do you have a score prediction? This one is always so hard to predict every year. Um, I think LSU shows up for a half. Um, I think they stand up for their stadium, for their state, for their coach. Um, but we make the seven ha second half adjustments that we need to. Uh, I'm going to go Florida 27, LSU 19. Oh, so exactly like 2018, huh? That is a very familiar score. <laughs> Was that done on purpose? Maybe. All Are right. you expecting a, a pick six in that game in this coming game as well? Maybe. No, there's no way lightning strikes twice in the form of, of a game-winning pick six. Casey, right. if there's a pick six, next time I see you, I'm buying you dinner. Hey! Okay. By Florida. Pick six by Florida. Yep. By Florida. By Florida's defense. Okay. Yes. By Florida's defense. All right. Defense. All right. Um, what's your score prediction, Dustin? So I know um, I mentioned last time we, ha we had a, a podcast and breaking down the pregame for Vanderbilt. I, I said that, that I will not pick Florida to cover the spread the rest of the season until Dan Mullen – and the Gator offense showed me something. And honestly, they still haven't shown me that thing. So until then, I'm not going to pick Florida to cover the 11-point spread. But, and it's a big but, I do think Florida's going to win. So my score is Florida 31 and LSU 23 in a game that is an absolute nail-biter. But Florida comes out on top by eight points. I have I've been thinking about this ever since the Vanderbilt game ended. What was I going to pick for the score prediction for Florida LSU? The whole week, I've I've been leading towards LSU. I've been thinking, I look, Florida may be different. The players may be different. The personnel is different. But not forget the fact that it happened last year. 
and, and I generally do not believe in the fact – I generally do not believe in lightning striking twice. But LSU is going to be fighting for their lives. They're going to be fighting for their coach who they love. They're going to be fighting to salvage some respect. And like was the case last year, these new guys who are on the field for the first time, they're going to be playing to keep those starting jobs. I mean, guys like John Emery and Derek Stingley would be entrenched as the starters if they were on the field, but they're not. You're going to have guys who are going to be on the field. They're going to be playing for the ability to keep playing in the starting lineup for LSU. And that is a dangerous, dangerous combination when you, when you add that on to the fact that they're all four or five stars to begin with. So I've been really considering picking LSU, but in the end, I, it, the halftime speech that Dan Mullen gave to his team, the halftime attitude, the anger, the just, just, just the change in emotion that he displayed from the previous week against Kentucky has me believing, okay, we're not going to just screw around this week. Because, by the way, if, if those of you listening did not know, Florida practiced in pads one time before LSU last year. That's not normal. For those of you who don't know, that's not how you do things. I mean, Florida did so many things differently last year in taking LSU less seriously. They're not going to do that this year. So I'm going to say Florida will play hard. It's going to be a close game, but they'll show up. And I think at the very last second, Florida will lead it. Emory Jones will lead a drive down the field. He'll set up a Jace Christman field goal, and Florida will survive 31-28. Uh, we have, well, we have one more guess. We have we have one more prediction to get to. It's a it's a guest prediction in what what could be his swan song on this podcast, uh, Mr. Orgeron. What have you got? Well, uh, you know, we've been practicing hard this week. And uh, even though Dustin's camera went off and he ain't looking at me, uh, I think the Tigers are going to get some Cajun voodoo. I got Marie Laveau, and I got all the voodoo going to be out there on the field, and Tigers by 100. We're going to miss having Coach O on the pod. Well, Coach O, do you think you keep your job past this season? Well, uh, Dan Mullen's going to hire me as defensive coordinator once Ty Grantham goes. No, he won't. No, he won't. I'm sorry. He won't. Oh, well, well, you know, don't make me come in there in Jersey and beat your ass, son. Go Tigers. Hey, I would love to have Ed O as our defensive coordinator, at least over Grantham. Well, I mean, I prefer Helen Keller in her current state as defensive coordinator. To Ty Grantham? Yeah, so you wouldn't hire him either. That's what I suspected. Um... Guys, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun Saturday afternoon. Uh, we've all got Florida winning. I'm just so nervous, man, because this game is never a beatdown. So uh, I I do think if Florida wins, I do think that that is the guillotine drop on Coach O. I do think a, a Florida win will ultimately finish him off, but I just have seen so much go wrong now, this year. You know, Kentucky, the first half against Vanderbilt was grotesque. The first half against Tennessee was terrible. So I've just seen so many things happen that I would not have predicted in a a bad sense that it's just got me terrified. So, guys, I just want to say this. Neil, that would be so sweet. Now, for this game, I'm actually going to be watching it with a good friend of mine who is from Louisiana. 
big LSU fan. So we're going to be watching this game together at, uh, at a local alehouse in, in, in Orlando. Um, it's going to be so sweet if we beat the living daylights out of LSU and blow their socks off and be so sweet. Will, will it happen? Probably not. But if it happens, it'd be the best day ever. And uh, pretty good night if you're and, a great, pretty good night if you're a Braves fan. Yeah. Freddie Freeman on a walk off home run. Go Braves! Yeah. yeah, yeah, go Braves! I'll just say this: I'm not going to give y'all the my patented Go Gators or my uh, my copyright or whatever you want to call it. Um, but you know darn well what is to come for the pregame or the 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 uh, post-game pot, I should say, um, if it happens, if we do it. Because I hate LSU! LS who? LS! God, we better beat them. The questions, the questions that we are asking on this pod, if Florida were to somehow lose to LSU, will not be pretty. The 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 post game pod, like the pod that drops on Monday will be all time ugly if we lose this one. Oh my goodness. But we're gonna well, think positive. We're gonna think positive. We're gonna think positive. Hey, we're gonna think positive. You cannot spell LSU without L. Yeah, and they handed us one last year, so that doesn't work. Um, well and they're and they're but guess what you also can't spell Florida without an L. We always yeah, have so at least one your own argument in five seconds. <laughs> yeah. um, on guys, that note Guys, we, we, we really appreciate you listening to, to our banter as well as uh, our, our insight. We do watch a good amount of film. I, I just can't see Florida losing this game. As, as scared as I am, I, my gut tells me Florida will win. But in any case, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. We definitely appreciate that. You better believe the three of us will be in front of our TV screaming for those Gators. We'll even get one of Dustin's patented Go Gator screams if we win. Um, Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Y'all are going to want to turn down the volume if Florida wins. All right, guys. Until then, Go Gators, y'all. Go Gators! Go Gators.